0: Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Hey, welcome to Branch Life's online worship. We're glad that you've joined us today. My name is Josh, one of the pastors here at Branch Life, and we're continuing on with our Stories for Skeptics series. This is week three, and so it's our third story, and we hope that you'll hang on and be blessed by this conversation that we have this morning. We are right in the middle of our Matthew study, so if you're joining us regularly and want to get a hand on one of these Matthew journals— Just fill out your connection card and let us know uh, that you would like to receive this journal. We'll be in contact with how we can mail that to you, and uh, we're excited to see people kind of tracking with us all through this year as we run through this together. Man, today is going to be a great day in the Word of God, and we can't wait for the day If you're local, that you join us in person. But until then, uh, we are going to be making some changes to our live stream. We're actually going to be live streaming in the days and weeks ahead. So you'll see if you're a regular attender at Branch Life uh, through our digital ministries, you'll see options where you can view the live stream or view the pre-recording for a couple of weeks until we get everything worked out. As always, we would love everyone every time they worship with us to click on the link, to fill out your connection card. Let us know how we can pray for you, what you've heard from God from. And uh, if there's anything that's exciting or happening in your neck of the woods, we'd love to hear about it. Those connection cards keep us connected, even though we're worshiping in different locations, but yet together. Well, grab your journals. Let's worship together. And we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 13 today. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for giving digitally. Thank you for filling out your connection card. We hope that God uses this to strengthen your connection to Christ so we can reach our world. Those connection cards, last comment, is a great place to ask questions. And your questions may end up in a future broadcast, not by name, but by content. So don't hesitate to ask us questions on those cards. Enjoy worship today. Let me tell you a story. There was a time when Jesus was speaking to the apostle Peter. Let me tell you a story. 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 Te voy a contar una historia. There was a time when Jesus was sitting down with people to eat. There was a time when Jesus was in the temple. There was a time when an expert in the Old Testament stood up to test Jesus. And he told him this story. All right, grab your journals. We're going to dive in. As I mentioned before, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Branch Life and we're working through a series called Stories for Skeptics where we're looking at the stories of and about Jesus and trying to understand uh, if they're true, what do they mean and how do they impact us today if they are. This is right in the middle of our Matthew journey all throughout the year. We're in Matthew chapter 12 and 13. Today we're starting in chapter 13 which means Content-wise, we're halfway through the book of Matthew. So we're really excited about that, and we hope that this has been uh, exciting for you and that your journals have filled up as we have gone through this. So turn to Matthew chapter 13 as we go into our third story in this particular series. This is the, the story known as the seed and the soil. It's also known as the parable of the sower. And let's jump into this. Matthew chapter 13 Uh, This is how things start out in the beginning of this chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and a great crowd gathered around him. And he got into the boat, and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them, Many things. Man, we're entering into a chapter where Jesus is going to be preaching to the crowd. Now here's how he set up the preaching, which I kind of like. He, the preacher, sat down and everybody else stood. Wouldn't that be kind of crazy if we reversed roles and I sat and you stood? Is there anything that we can take from that and we can kind of understand as he sat and they stood What was happening in this moment is this crowd had come to see Jesus. There was way too many of them to fit in the house. There was way too many of them that he could just stand around in a crowd. He had to separate himself so that there could be some distance so that he would be able to address the entire crowd. And this crowd had come to meet Jesus. They had come to interact with Jesus. They had come to hear from Jesus. And they were asked to play an active role in meeting Jesus. You know, when true worshipers come come to see Jesus, come to grow in Jesus, come to hear from Jesus, they come and they actively are engaged in that worship. How many times have you participated in a worship service where you just kind of sat there? I mean, you made your way in, you didn't really have to talk to anybody, you found the comfortable seat, you just kind of collapsed in it, and then you put your mind in autopilot. Sort of worked through the singing times, sort of worked through the prayer times, We're, we're there for the message, it was nice, it was good, got done with that, moved on with the rest of my life. Man, that is not worship. True worshipers of Jesus, when they come to Jesus, they actively engage in worship. They actively participate in the singing of a new song, in the preaching of the word, in the prayers, in the rituals of worship, in the sacraments of baptism and of communion. These things bring richness and fullness. This crowd was so excited about Jesus, so excited to hear about Jesus, that they actively stood the entire time. So maybe if you decide to come to the live worship uh, with, at Branch Life, maybe we should remove all the chairs and you should stand the entire time. Maybe that will help us understand that this is an active participation, not a passive receiving of what's going on as we've opened our church membership. We're inviting people to fill out your applications, whether they're online or you're in person, and you want to be a part of the team. Remember this. We're not a team that's, our, that's made of club members. We are a team members on the field actively engaging in connecting with Jesus, in growing in our faith, in moving the ball down the field and completing the mission so that we can have a deeper faith with God and a farther reach into our world. We want to actively participate as team members in our weekly worship time. Let's get there. Let's interact with other people. Let's encourage them. Let's pray with them. Let's let's disciple our kids and one another. Let's connect. Let's worship and sing loudly together. Let's engage and lean into the preaching of the God's word. Investigating every word. That's why we have these journals. So that you can look deeper and go where the spirit leads you. In this this kind of directed time of hearing from God. The Bible says to preach the word in season and out of season. To preach the whole council of God because all of this is profitable and it's in his words where the power is. Man, if that doesn't get you active, if that doesn't get you engaged, if that doesn't get you connected, I don't know what will. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in this first story. He is talking about people engaging, leaning in, and actively participating in hearing from God. So in Matthew chapter 3, in this first verse, he gets into the first story. And it's the story of the seeds and the sowers. And it just goes like this in starting verse uh, verse 4. And a farmer went out, a sower went out, and as he sowed, which simply means scattered the seed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and they devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up. But because they had no depth, when the sun rose, they were scorched, and they didn't take any root. They withered away. The other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and then choked them out. Still other seeds fell on good soil, and they produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Man, what's happening in this parable is we are getting introduced to four different hearts, to four different soils. And there was a, a whole crowd. Remember, they're standing, they're actively engaging, and Jesus told this story and many other stories in this moment. And we're going to look at those stories in future weeks, so make sure you join us in the weeks ahead. He starts talking about these stories, and he sa- and people there in the crowd are like, oh, okay, well, that's a pretty bad farmer. Like, that farmer threw most of its seed away. Why, what, does he need better aim? Does he have to learn how to throw seeds more? Does he need to get a seed throwing machine? Does he need a mentor in seed throwingness? And they just maybe engaged with it and then they kind of probably went on with their lives. Now the disciples were listening to this and they heard the story about the farmer and the seeds and they wondered like, all right, what was that about? You see, Jesus often implemented stories into his teaching. When I was in my Bible college years, I kind of sat back and I, I sort of like engaged uh, in my cynicism uh, of other speakers. And when their stories went too long, I was like, oh, give me more Bible and less stories. And then I realized I would have probably said that about Jesus. Like, Jesus often told stories. Why? Because stories stick. Stories help us understand. Stories allow us to remember. Stories give us ideas for application. The Spirit carries these stories further in our lives. You, you will generally talk about the stories because they encapsulate and illustrate the truth. Man, stories are a powerful part of preaching. And Jesus is going to utilize these stories in a lot of different ways. And so in this section, he actually teaches us why he uses parables. And parables are simply the stories of Jesus. The stories that he invented or he made up or that he told. I've heard it said they were heavenly stories with an earthly meaning. Why did Jesus tell parables? Why did he give us these stories and, and not just, des- uh, just explain, explain, explain? Why did he illustrate so much? Well, for two reasons. For revolution and for understanding. As we go on in Matthew chapter 10, these verses are going to come up. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. You see, Jesus brings up this topic of the kingdom of heaven. And these stories that are being told are kingdom stories. We're going to see the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like in weeks ahead. And these stories were not just like cute little Sunday school stories that we tell our kids. Hey kids, there was a farmer and he, he threw out these seeds and some landed on hard dirt and some landed. In. And then we kind of go on and the kids are like, today's theme is a farmer theme, right? If that was all these stories were, then why in the world did they crucify Jesus? Why did the Romans come in and they, they grabbed him because of these stories and they nailed him to a cross and they killed him? Why were the religious leaders so upset when they heard the teaching of Jesus? These weren't cute little Sunday school stories. These were stories about revolution. Jesus was proposing revolution. He was instrumenting or illustrating a coup that he wanted to take place. He was actively recruiting people from the kingdom of Rome, from the Jewish religion, into faith with God, into the kingdom of God. So that he could build his kingdom and destroy all others. Of course, the leaders of the other kingdoms got mad and upset and killed and crucified Jesus. You see, Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God. That means he's preaching revolution. He wants in your life to have incredible life change. He is saying, let's revolt. Let's change. Let's let's get rid of the king that used to rule. Let's let's abandon the presidents of our lives and let's put Jesus on the throne. Man, that's a threat to the other kings, but that's what these stories are calling you to do. They're calling you to revolt. To transform your life. Maybe you have to kick yourself off of your throne. Maybe that's the coup that you need. Maybe you've been following the systems of the world. Maybe you've been depending on the governments of this day. Maybe you've been hoping that money will solve problems. Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you these stories because I want you to, to, to have a revolution. I want, I want to have a military takeover of your heart. The second reason he tells these stories In the continuation of these verses, he says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. You see, Jesus is talking in parables because if true worshipers want to follow Jesus, they are going to want to hear and see and understand. You see, they're not going to hear a story about a farmer and a seed and go, oh, that was adorable, let's move on. They're going to go, what was that about? What did that mean? And they're going to start investigating the teaching so that they can hear from Jesus. That's why it's no coincidence that the disciples of Jesus, the true followers of Jesus, came up to Jesus and said, what are you talking about? We want to know more. We want to understand. We want this to to direct us and to change us and to challenge us. So in Matthew chapter 13 When he's talking about the purpose of the parables, Jesus quotes Isaiah. And this is kind of like a a speech from Isaiah where he's kicking off his ministry. And in, in this speech from Isaiah, it says that this fulfills prophecy in verse 14. And it says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but not perceive. For the people's heart have grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed. Does this describe our worship together? Can you barely hear? Man, it's hard enough in a room to get distracted, but so many people sit and disengage, even in a worship service, when the Word of God is being presented. They want tips and tricks and better jokes and more interesting speakers and more liturgy to keep them awake. So they have to move. So they have to focus. Instead of just saying, oh, "I'm I'm standing. I'm standing on the shores, wanting to hear from Jesus." And we're trying to investigate. Have our ears grown dull? Do we get bored by the Word of God? Do we let it collect dust on our shelves? If that's true, that's what's happening. And so Jesus is speaking in a parable. says, if you don't feel like it, if you're not dull, you're not even going to hear it anyway. So it's going to pass. But, I tell you these things. Lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears. And understand with their hearts. And turn. And I will heal them. You see, the reason spoke Jesus spoke in parables is because he wanted people to lean in and to hear and this is a key word and to understand you see Jesus spoke in parables so that people would understand when the bible uses the word understand we we can easily swap that into the word for discipleship we want you to understand and know and follow Jesus when it comes to Jesus do you get it do you understand the gospel Do you understand faith? Do you understand that not only does Jesus save you, but he redeems you into a brand new life do you understand that when, that that he works everything together for good? Do you understand that the worries of this world are not our worries and they're not our anxieties? Do you understand that when you open the word of God, that when you engage in prayer, that you strengthen your spiritual life and then no matter what trouble comes in that day, you have a spiritual army fighting a battle for, before you? Do you understand that when You accept the free gift of salvation that you trade in your life for the life that Jesus is giving you. You see, so many people think and they're confused that salvation is this little moment where I pray some magic words. And then all of a sudden, I have now a ticket into the everlasting life that's promised in John 3.16. But when you understand the gospel, you realize that the gift that he is giving you is so large... That you can't help in almost shame give them, to give him your whole life. You see, when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you give him your life. You become a follower of Jesus, not a knower of Jesus intellectually, not a, not a spectator of who Jesus is, not a watcher of Jesus. You become a follower of Jesus. God, I want you to come into my life and save me. My life is now yours. I am now a follower of Jesus. You would be described then as someone who walks closely with God. Do you understand? That's why Jesus is telling these stories, to help you understand, to grow deeper in your faith, so that you can look more like him, so that you can love him, so that your life can be radically, revolutionarily, is that a word? Restored, changed, transformed. So in this, in this parable, Jesus then goes on to explain it. He explains it to his disciples, man, and this is what he says. He says that there are four kinds of hearts. There's four kinds of hearts that are being taught about in this moment. You will find yourself in one of these four categories. And this is, this is something that you need to lean into. You need to ask yourself, which heart am I? And don't assume that you already know the answer to this. He's going to talk about hard hearts, shallow hearts, strangled hearts, and open hearts. Starting in verse 19, he tells us about the hard hearts. Remember, the sower came and he threw some seeds out onto the hard ground. Now, immediately, some people think that this is a story about a farmer that's called, after all, the parable of the sower. This is not a parable about the sower, this is a parable about the, 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 the not the seeds, but the ground. You see, Jesus is the sower. Jesus is the one who gives us faith. Jesus is the one who's bringing us the gospel. Jesus is the teacher in this moment. He is the one who is teaching. And he's throwing seeds out amongst the crowd. And those seeds of faith, those seeds of the gospel, of the kingdom of God, are landing on different soils. And there are people who will hear the good news of the gospel, and they will have what's called a hard heart. In Matthew chapter 19, chapter 13, verse 18, hear the parable of the sower 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the path, the, 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 the first heart is this heart that's represented right here. And it's it's a hard hard heart. It's, it's similar to that trail that you walk on through the woods over and over and over again. If you're a runner and you always run that same path, that ground gets packed down. Maybe somebody paved over it. And when the seeds of the kingdom of God in this story land on this, they just lay on the top of it and they never take root. And then the birds come in and they snatch it away and they fly off with it and nothing happens. In this story, you should be terrified of birds You know my greatest fear, if you've tracked along with us at any time, my greatest fear is sharks. I, I don't like sharks. And so we often talk about sharks here because they're my greatest fear and my greatest fascination. But did you know my wife's greatest fear? My wife's greatest fear is birds. Now I thought this was crazy, right? That my wife would be scared of birds as we were dating and she would talk about it. But I have seen over and over and over again that birds actively pursue damaging my wife. They, they dive bomber on walks. They, they aggressively go after her car. We have to wash her car more than anyone else's car in the world because the birds do their business over her car. I don't know what my wife has done to make birds mad at her, but the birds of this universe are upset at my mom, at my mom, at my wife. There's a slip. Now, here's, here's an interesting thought. Birds often in Jewish literature were used to represent demonic or evil forces. And in this story, the bird is the evil one. The bird is Satan. You see, Satan does not want the the seeds of the kingdom to take root. He wants you to follow this world. He is the king and the prince of this world. He wants you to live for this world. He exists to keep you from the kingdom of God. He is anti-Christ. And so this, this evil one is coming, and as soon as these seeds are sown... He's going to grab them as quick as they can. He wants you to have a hard heart. So there are people in this first category who just don't receive the word at all. They don't believe it. They don't buy into it. They they define themselves as people who are against God. Maybe they would say they're an atheist. Maybe they just frankly don't care. And they just live their lives and do it their way. They might hear the message of God. It literally bounces off of them like the seed bounces off of the path. The bird comes up and carries it away. That's the hard heart that we see in this first section, right? And the evil one comes and snatches it away. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? That's me. I, I don't buy this. I don't get it. I'm, I'm curious. I want to hear the rest of the story. Uh, but I, I don't buy this. Let me, let me just kind of plant a seed and see if it takes any kind of root. What if there is a God? What if God does exist and heaven and hell are real places and God showed up in the person of Jesus and he did raise again from the dead? Proving that Jesus was who he says he was, God in flesh. What if that is true? Right now I know you have a lot of reasons for being skeptical, but let's just hold on to that for a second. There is a prayer that you can pray that I think is a a safe prayer for you if if this is not something you buy into. And I want to Dare you to pray this prayer. And here's the prayer that you can pray if you have a hard heart, if you don't buy this stuff, if you've rejected it. Pray this prayer. God, if you are real, then soften my heart. (laughs) What's the danger? If God's not real, then you have nothing to worry about. But if God is real, maybe he will help you understand or see him the way that I see him the way that others see him. And, I, and trust me, it's amazing. We have a very old parking lot here in our new worship center. This, this worship center that we're recording from uh, was given to us over the course of the last uh, six to eight months. We inherited a parking lot that needs a significant amount of work. So if you're in the parking lot business or uh, if you've got a lot of extra fair change lying around and you want to do something creative with it, we have to sink a lot of money in this parking lot. Now here's what happens when you walk through our parking lot. You're going to walk through this paved ground, and you're going to see that all over the place there's cracks. And here's what's growing up between the cracks. Grass. Seeds have taken root. And they, even in the middle of our parking lot... Cracks have been exposed and the seeds and the flowers, they grow up into these cracks so much so that I can't walk past them without ripping them out or spraying them with with a weed killer. Like it's, it's the bane of my existence, but somehow even in this paved surface, cracks have formed and the seeds have taken root. If God is real, then ask him to soften your heart. To let some cracks form. And maybe, maybe you'll see him the way we see him. The second heart that comes up is the shallow heart. And this is shown right there in verse 20. After talking about the seeds that fell on the path in verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. You see, in these verses, we're in section number two, right where the, where the seed goes into the rocky ground. And in this rocky ground, there isn't room for the seed to take root, Right? And what happens, and this, I'll call this the camp Christian, right? Like I grew up at camp, and and people will come to camp. They'll go on a retreat. They'll go to a Billy Graham crusade. They'll hear the gospel, and they'll go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll try that. I'm into that. And it'll go into their soil. But the things of this world are still happening around them, so much so that they don't give it another thought, or they go back into their life just like it was before. And they did this thing at this place, or they heard this story, and they prayed this prayer like someone told them to pray it or they decided to investigate it more, but stuff started happening in their lives and they forgot about it or it washed it away or they never allowed it to take any root. And what happens in this situation is tribulation or persecution arises and on the account of that, their seed is washed away. People, People say they believe in God until it hurts. They say that they're followers of Jesus until they're asked to make difficult decisions for Jesus. Until somebody makes fun of them. Until they have to make a decision and give something up that God says to give up that they want to hold on to. The Bible calls it the rains come. In this world you will have trouble. The Bible says it's a guarantee. But if you build your house on the rock it'll stand. But if you build your house in the sand it will wash away in my neighborhood we have townhomes, and between our units, everyone has a parking lot, and then there's a, a, a rocky area, and then the other parking lot. These, these weeds like to get in that rocky area, but I like to cause trouble for them. So I'll come out, and if I see a weed on my street, I'm kind of like the weed pooler guy. I will grab that weed. I'll rip it out, and I'll throw it away, and I'll be like, good riddance, weed. That's what happens to people who don't have a faith in God. They just have heard something, and they bought into it in the moment, but they didn't carry it with them. You know, at camp or at these crusades, a lot of times you're given two options, like right? You can go to heaven or you can go to hell. Choose one. You're like, all right, I'm going to go to heaven. What do you need to do? Believe. I heard one pastor say it this way. Believe in the marshmallow man. Okay, I'll believe in the marshmallow man. So now do you believe in the marshmallow man? I believe in the marshmallow man. Then you're going to heaven. Great. I'll see you there. And then they go on with their life. There's no faith There's nothing going on. They just bought into that moment without investigating it and truly truly allowing it to have heart change. They didn't understand that it's about following Jesus. That this huge gift that Jesus gave means that I'm going to give him the gift of my life. They never truly followed Jesus. They just bought into the emotion of the moment. You see, there's a prayer for you if you find yourself in this, in this place. You're like, you know what? I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I was at a camp when I was a kid. But my, my life doesn't look any different than anybody else's. I, I, don't, I, I don't spend time with God. I don't know who God is. I mean, I try sometimes because the people around me are trying. But I've, it's really not that big a deal to me. Well, that means you probably are someone who's in this shallow heart category. Here's the prayer. God, deepen my faith. God, deepen my faith. Help me to see you, help me to know you, help me to accept you, help me to follow you. I don't want to trust any more in the things of this world. I want answers for these trials and tribulations, not more trials and tribulations. God, deepen my heart. Then he goes right into the third heart in verse 22. He says this, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. You see in Matthew chapter 13 verse 22, he starts talking about that person, this is the, this is the third heart that the, the, the root of the seed begins to take root, right? I think I believe that. I think I want to follow that. I think I want to be into that. But there's some thorns that come up and they choke it and kill it. And ultimately it is washed away as well. What are the thorns? In the second one, you got to watch out for Satan in the first one, right? You have the, the tribulation trials and persecution in the third one. But in this one, it's just simply identified as the cares of this world. These are the the concerns that happen for all of us. And we're trying to take care of our families. We're trying to take care of our homes. We're trying to take care of our livelihoods. And we have all of these concerns of the world. And those concerns of the world become preeminent or more important than Jesus, we are trying to fit Jesus or a belief in Jesus or an understanding of who Jesus is into everything else that's going. He is a part of my life and my story, but he is not my story. I've got all this other stuff going on. So I, who really necessarily has time for Jesus? If you are preoccupied with the things of this world, you will not be able to focus on Jesus. If you are distracted by the things of this world, you will not be dedicated to Jesus. And you do not understand the gospel. You see, understanding says Jesus is all and all. The gospel infiltrates every part of my life. It doesn't just save my soul, it transforms my everyday. My marriage will look different because of Jesus. My parenting will look different because of Jesus. My worship will look different because of Jesus. My work will look different because of Jesus. My words will be different. My thought will be different. Where I go will be different. My entertainment will be different because of who Jesus is. I do not care about the things of this world. I care about Jesus. And if you find yourself more concerned about who's going to win the football game, about my kid getting a basketball scholarship, about how much money I'm going to earn, or when can I buy the newer model iPhone. If that's your biggest concern in life, your danger is that you are heart number two, number three, and our churches are filled with people who have heart number three. You see, they thought that the faith that they were given by their parents, by their pastors, was... Something to go along with. It's a part of life. But they never made faith their own. And this heart often looks for permission to pursue the things of this world. I know God says no, but I'm going to say yes. And then I'm going to stop believing in that part of God. I thought I had a faith in God, but now I'm not sure about the Bible. I'm not sure about heaven and hell. I'm not sure about that rule or that qualification. I don't know if Jesus actually meant meant to say, and all of a sudden, it gets choked out. Their faith in Jesus gets choked out, and they lose it altogether. Cultural Christianity, doing it because other people do it. It was good while it was attractive, but now I want something else, is such a dangerous heart. You see, the gospel can start to take root in someone, but actually never transforms them. Here's the prayer: if you are in danger of being heart number three, God, strengthen my faith. God, strengthen my faith. Make it stronger. Make it my greatest desire. Help me to understand you more. Help me to be all in with Jesus. Help this to overrun every other concern that I have in my life. Help me to love you more than I love my life. To love you more than I love my money. To love you more than I love this world. You see, it's not only the the preoccupation of this world that he warns us about. The deceitful lure of money. And for so many of us, we allow money to come in and become preeminent. Listen, if you don't give to Jesus... If you don't sacrifice of your stuff for Jesus, then are you a follower of Jesus? In most churches, 20% of the people give 80% of of the offering. And listen, please understand this. And I heard another pastor explain this this way. Branch Life Church is not looking for your money. We are doing really well. We are ahead of budget. We have seen our best financial year to date We're super excited that we potentially have the money that we need to transform the parking lot. There's many other projects that we could work on if God would bless us with money. But God has given and he's providing for exactly what he wants us to do. He's providing for what we want. We don't ask you to give to God because we want the money. We ask you to give to God because it is a fulfillment of your heartbeat. You give to God because you get to. You give to God because you're able to. Listen, if everybody who was a follower of God gave the way God said to, we would be able to fund every missionary, every school, every camp, every church, every organization thousands of times over. The gospel ministry wouldn't be wouldn't be uh, on on a financial ventilator. It would be a financial tsunami if we gave to God the way we would. But so many of us don't because we have one foot in God's God's kingdom and one foot in this world's kingdom. And I'm just going to hold on to this for myself. That's heart number three. Then he tells us, in case you're losing hope, about heart number four. The open heart. In heart number four, that heart has... Soft and available soil. It says this in Matthew 13. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit. And it yields in one case hundredfold. In another case, sixtyfold. And in another case, thirtyfold. fold. man. This open heart is a heart that has received the gospel, has understood that, yes, I got the gift of salvation, and I am gladly giving you my life. It's the least I can do, and I am now a follower of Jesus. I follow Jesus because of what he has done on the cross. I follow Jesus because he is everything to me, and that seed takes root, this soft open soil. All the other distractions and thorns and weeds are pushed away. The rocks of this world no longer become your concern. And the spirit power is the best power that we learned about last week. Satan has no hold on you. You have an open heart. We've probably all seen examples of people who would fit in these four categories. And for the open heart, I think of my grandmother. My grandmother was the sweetest, most godly lady that I've ever known. I've told you about her before. She, she dying of Alzheimer's was one of the hardest trials that I've ever been through in my young life. But before she dealt with Alzheimer's, my grandmother had gone through a turbulent life. As a pastor's wife, her husband fell out of ministry, made some horrible choices. He then in his early 50s died as a, a result of combination of cancer and heart problems. And there she was at the, at the young age of, of 50, a widow. My grandmother was one of the godliest people I know. The storms of this life didn't stop her faith. The cares of this life, how does she survive? How does she live? What does she do? What does she give her life to? What will happen in this next chapter didn't choke out her faith. But when you have an open heart to the gospel, those things cause you to go deeper into connection with god and they did it for her and she was one of the kindest sweetest most godly ladies i would watch her at church and she would sit there actively engaging yes she sat she didn't stand but she would mark and underline you couldn't read her bible it was so marked up she would talk to other people she would disciple people including myself in what it means to be a follower of jesus she gave of her time and energy i remember her filling food bags for college students. And she, she was the sweetest, most soft spoken lady that I ever knew. I loved her dearly. I have a picture of her up on my wall. Now, she passed away from Alzheimer's. I didn't think that was fair. I still don't. Lean on, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. That's what she told me. And at her funeral service, there were grown men multiple men that came up and stood before this packed crowd and they said I'm here and I'm a follower of Jesus because of Helen Park she gave money so I could go to camp she reached out to my family in a time of need she showed me what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Her heart was open to the gospel, and here's what happened. She multiplied followers of Jesus. Listen, listen, I'm here because of Helen Park. I am her multiplication. I am her 30, 60, and 100-fold. And if you follow Jesus, and if you are open to Jesus, what will happen is you will increase faith in other people. Your fruit will bear 100 30, 60, fold. don't read it and be like, I'm good with just one. I'll just be a 30 year I'm going to go on with my kids and disciple my kids. And that's it. No, shoot for 100. Shoot for 100-fold. And for some of us, you're going to see a lot of multiplication. For others, you're going to see a smaller number of multiplication. But multiplication is multiplication when we are faithful and open to the gospel. When we live lives totally on fire for who Jesus is. You see, here's the prayer of an open heart. It's simply this. God, multiply my faith. God, multiply my faith. Help me to go into all the world and reach disciples to baptize them and to and to teach them everything that you have commanded. Your goal as an open-hearted follower of Jesus would to be able to stand with someone who's getting baptized in 2020 and 2022. That should be your desire, your dream, your prayer, and your pursuit. To see your kids walk in faith. To see everyone in these other categories come and know and follow Jesus. So we love our neighbors as ourselves, as we love God with our whole heart. It's his life anyway, so I'm giving it to him. You see, this whole parable tells us this incredible truth. It is not how you begin, it's how you end. It's not how you begin, how you end. Listen, followers of Jesus... This is radical, right? Follow Jesus. We seek to understand him and know him. And followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. We follow him through the storm. We follow him in the valley of the shadow of death. We follow him with our money. We follow him with our lives. We follow him with our kids and our families and our worship. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. Because there's a, a principle in God's word theology called the perseverance of the saints. And if you are truly a follower of God, you will follow him your entire life. What happens to somebody who said they believed in God, who even said, Lord, Lord, I've cast out demons in your name. I've done great works in your name. And Jesus goes, depart from me. I never knew you. You were one of these other hearts. You never understood. You never accepted. You never gave Jesus your life. He might have been a part, but he wasn't all. Today, if you are not sure if you're soil number four, you can just say, God, open my heart. Today I decide to follow you. Today I become a believer in you. Today I dedicate my life to you. Come into my life and save me. What's mine is yours. Simply have a conversation with God and the magic prayer doesn't save you. It's the faith that does. Today I decide to follow Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe you died on the cross and rose again from the dead. I want to accept you for the free gift of salvation and put my faith and trust in you. My faith means I follow you. Man, if that's you today, if today you've renewed your commitment to Christ, if you made sure that you're a Christian, if you want to dedicate yourself to following Jesus, if you have any more questions about us, please let us know on the card. You can go back to the gospel page at Branch Life Church at any time. You can follow that through and indicate on there that today I've decided to become a follower of Jesus. Maybe you thought you've been saved for a long time, but you realize you haven't been all in. Maybe today's the day you need to pray and follow Jesus. And, and if this has been an encouragement to you, or if you have any questions or any other thoughts, please take a moment to fill out your connection card and tell us about your next step. How are you going to take this into your week this week? Do you need to trust God with your money? Do you need to give more? Do you need to trust God with your kids? Do you need to, to say, I, I, I was trying to follow Jesus and make him a part of my life, but he wasn't? Whatever it is the Spirit's speaking to you, will you listen? Will you write it down? Will you let us pray over you? We want to encourage you to come back next week as we continue on to these stories. But let me pray over you now. God, for all of those who are watching this recording, Lord, we pray that you will use this in their lives. If they are not followers of Jesus, help them to make that decision today to follow you. Lead them into that in your Holy Spirit. God, we pray for the hard hearts, that you'll, you'll soften them. God, we pray uh, for the rocky ground. We pray, God, that you'll not let the concerns of this world drown you out. And God, we pray for those that are, that are uh, distracted from who you are. And God, help us all to be the soft soil where your love takes root in our lives. God, if there's any way we as a church can do more to help the people around us because of your love, help us to be active in serving you above all else because our lives are yours. We thank you for these moments together in your presence. name we pray. Amen. Thanks for logging in. We hope you have a, a great time. Don't forget to connect with us online through that connection card. Have a great rest of your day. Join us next time for our next story for skeptics.